that's attached to Grace and Mercy Fellowship Center in one way or another, Lord. And we just continue to bless you and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Psalms 91, starting at verse 1. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly diseases. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promise, promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that streaks at midday, strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, Though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near you. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in me. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Bless the name of the Lord for his word. Amen, amen. amen. Mark 11, starting at verse 22. And the scripture declares, then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first 
forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Bless the name of the Lord for his word. Amen. 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 and your grace. Lord, we can't do it on our own. We need you. We need you to breathe. Yes, God. One singer said, I can't even tie my shoes unless you help me, Lord. So I just want to thank you right now for everything you've done, Lord. We ask you to bring the word today through your manservant, Bishop Lysen, Lord. Yes, God. We ask you to bring the word with power and anointing 
and with an understanding so that when we leave here, we can go and be a witness to someone. If you open up the door, we will open our mouths and give, and give you praise and honor, Lord. We ask you to bless the furtherance of this service. We ask you to bless those that are here. We ask you to bless the ones that are listening by social media one way or another. We just ask you to help them to be open for your word. Amen. And let us receive your word. Help us to learn we can be what your word says we can be. And we can do what your word says we can do in the yes, name God. of Jesus. Lord, we thank you and we bless you right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
questions like hey why are you so happy because they can move in my soul Amen. he feels it moving all over me Thank you. 
all over me, all over me, all over me, all over me. All over me. One more time, I feel it moving all over me, 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 all over happiness, all over me, all over his protection, all over his protection, all over his love. All over me. All over 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 me. All over me. Yeah. Hallelujah. How many people feel it? Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 I can feel it. I can feel it moving. If you haven't had an opportunity to give, now's a good time to do that. Since you can feel them in your heart. Feel him in your feet, feel him in your hands, feel him in your back, feel him all over you. So just come on and give. Uh, we just thank you right now, Lord, for your mercy, your grace. We thank you for these gifts. We thank you, Lord, that you're going to stretch them as far as you need to stretch them. We can't do it on our own. That's why we need you for everything that we do, Lord. We thank you for those that were willing to give. And, Lord, we ask you for those that didn't have it to give but had a desire to give. We ask that you, on the next point in time, give them something so that they can come up here and bless the house, Lord. We thank you and we bless you right now in Jesus' name. Jesus. Amen. Anybody ever had to call on the name of Jesus? Mm. And I mean really call on the name of Jesus. You didn't think you was going to be able to get out. But you called on the name of Jesus and everything turned around. May not have been right when you wanted it. Could have been instantaneously. Amen. But it did turn around because you did what? You called on the name of Jesus. Amen. He's our champion, our Lion of Judah. The one that will never fail us. The one that loved us first. So we call on his name, not only because we need him, but because we love him. And we want him to know that we love him. And we want to show him our worship. We want to deepen our relationship with him. So what do we do? We call on the name of Jesus. Yeah, my bills may be due, but guess what? I'm going to call on the name of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is a provider. I'm sick, but guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to call on the name of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is my healer. I'm in legal trouble, but guess what I'm going to do? I'm not going to worry. I'm going to call on the name of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus provides all that we need. 
So in every circumstance, every situation, it is always appropriate to call on the name of Jesus. He will never fail you. Man fails us every day. Man, we fail ourselves. But Jesus, Jesus will never fail. So you call on his name, not Buddha, not Mohammed, not any Hindu God that exists. Jesus, the one true God, the Alpha and Omega, the one that is standing right there with you in that trouble. So you call on Jesus because he will be there. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Call the name of Jesus. He is our healer. Call the name of Jesus. He is our provider. Call the name of Jesus. He is our protector. Call the name of Jesus. He is our deliverer. Yeah.
stronger than our Savior. There's no name that is greater, that is stronger than our Savior. Help me say this. There's no name, no name that is greater, that is stronger than Jesus, oh no, 
Nobody's like Jesus. No one can love me like Jesus. No one can hold me like There's nobody like Jesus. Our Alpha and Omega. Our magnificent King. Jesus. Oh, He died for our sins. Just so that he can provide Jesus. for us the payment for Jesus. our sins. It's already paid Jesus. by the blood of Jesus. We're healed by Jesus, protected by Jesus. How we love you, Jesus. Nobody like Jesus, oh Jesus, one last time, oh, 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 again everybody for our praise team and the GMFC trio <laughs> amen 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 this time we want you to rest to your feet and and, and I'm going to introduce my, my pastor my bishop my friend Bishop Roy J Lyseth just have sit at your tent doors and have your hearts open and ready for the word in the name of Jesus amen amen social media, you can be seated, I look at social media, I look at 
Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and I see a lot of people putting out clips of praise and worship. And like with TikTok, the more you, you know, like something or look at something, the more those types of things come into your feed. So I get to see a lot of it. And sometimes, as I'm listening, I can feel the Spirit of God. And for that minute, two minutes, three minutes, I'm caught away into the presence of God and begin to worship. But more often, what I see and hear is emotionalism. It's a culture that has been swayed to follow emotion only and look for just a good feeling. Things become a show. People come to be entertained so that they can feel better. I'm so glad that our praise team doesn't do that. When I, hear, when I hear people that are really disconnected from God presenting themselves to be connected to God, I typically tune them out. But there's something different about singing and playing beyond your talent, but functioning in the anointing and the gifting of God on your life. Singing and playing from an experience, an intimate connection with God, understanding that though you may be called a worship leader, in reality, you're just simply trying to worship God because you love him. Amen. And that becomes infectious. It becomes a contagion that can fill an atmosphere, that can fill a room, that can fill a city, that can fill a nation and push people before God Almighty. I'm so thankful that we have that here at GMFC. I may not brag and boast a whole lot, but this one thing you can be assured, I think that we have the greatest praise team on the planet. It's not because they're the most talented. They have talent. But it's not because of their talent. They may not even be the most anointed, but they have an anointing. They may not be the most gifted, oh, but they have a gift. 
and I could listen to them all day, every day. Matter of fact, I miss it when they're not here or they're not able to sing or we just simply don't have enough services to really enjoy this gift, this grace gift that God has given us. You know, sometimes we get caught away with, oh, it's too loud, it's too showy, it's too this, it's too that. But you can tell when somebody is is singing from a place of experience where they understand what it is to call on the name of Jesus. Because they've been in a place where they needed something and only Jesus could deliver them. And when you allow yourself to begin to realize and visualize what they are declaring into the atmosphere of your life, it can keep you and help you to get through your valley experience. So I say to the praise team today, thank you. Thank you for your gifting for your sacrifice, for your worship, for leading me before God Almighty. I play a lot, I tease a lot, but I believe wholeheartedly in what I've just said. So thank you very much. Know that I love each and every one of you. You've done my heart glad. In the world, there's a saying, no one likes a halfway crook. As a matter of fact, uh, Eminem, never really know how to pronounce his name, uh, E-M-E-N-I-N, it's one of his songs from the movie Eight Mile. He's talking about people that put on a front like their thug life when in actuality they live in the suburbs. They, they tell a story about being hard when in actuality they sleep in luxury. Nobody likes a halfway crook. You're either all the way or you're no way. We were talking last week about the battle that was taking place and how Moses was standing on the mountaintop and Joshua was in the valley. We talked about Aaron and her who were stationed by God to assist Moses in carrying out his duty. And the army of God helping Joshua in the valley. We know that the Bible declares that Israel won against the Amalekites. And after the victory, God instructed Moses to write an account of 
the event and to keep it as a memorial. Oftentimes you'll see that in the Word of God, God constantly reminds his people to not forget what God has done. We too often forget what God has done. Our memory is only as good as the victory lasts, but as soon as the victory is confronted with a new battle, we forget what we had just won. But God wanted Moses to make a record of what had just happened, and in this record, God made it clear that he would block out the memory of Amalek from under heaven entirely. He didn't want the Israelites to be satisfied with a halfway victory. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, stop enjoying halfway victories. I don't know of any doctor who would want their patient who's dealing with a life-altering disease like cancer to be satisfied with a halfway cure. You see, a halfway victory simply means that there's yet another battle laying ahead of you that you will have to fight. And this is an important principle because far too many of us are content with halfway victories. We don't mind hanging around with a little bit of evil or we don't mind it if we give it some visitation rights from time to time. Uh, but the problem with evil, though, is that visitation rights soon become squatters' rights and then we're faced with a full-fledged war. You know, if somebody moves in and they stay there long enough, though they may not pay a dime, they can legally declare that their home. And don't let them get mail there. Because as soon as they get mail there, it's almost solidified that that's their house, their place of residence, and it takes an act of the court to get them out. An alcoholic isn't content to hang out with a little bit of alcohol. They want to hang out with as much alcohol as they can handle. But in order to kick that habit, an alcoholic usually needs to go all the way. Needs to stay away from the very thing to which they struggled. And this is what God sought for Israel in regards to the Amalekites. He wanted to erase their memory from the earth. Unfortunately, the Israelites didn't keep their end of the agreement. And God had to later send the prophet Samuel to Saul, the king of Israel, to rebuke him for not carrying out his command to annihilate the Amalekites entirely. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor this. Stop allowing, Stop allowing. your former self, your former self. To, hang out with you. to hang out with you anymore. 1 Samuel 15, 10 through 11 says this. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king. For he is turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. 
And in a, a bit of poetic irony, it's an Amalekite later that aids in the death of King Saul. First, uh, 2 Samuel 1, 8 through 10 says this, And he said unto me, Who art thou? And I answered him, I am an Amalekite. Now remember, the command of God was to annihilate the Amalekites, to wipe them from the face of the earth. Ah, but the Amalekites, they had some stuff. They did some stuff. They, they, they looked good. They were powerful. So let's hold on just, just, just a little bit. Just, just a little bit. Let's just hold on to a little bit. I could, I could use it. I could use it for the glory of God. This is the line of thinking that most of us get into when we hold on to things that God has declared we need to let go of. When we hold on to people that God declared you need to let go of. You let them hang around long enough and they will pull you down. And in this case, as you will uh, hear me read in a second, they'll even kill you or help you kill yourself. And then I answered him and, I, uh, and said, I am an Amalekite. He said unto me again, stand, I pray thee, upon me and slay me, for anguish has come upon me because my life is yet whole in me. So I stood upon him and slew him because I was sure that he could not live after that he was fallen, and I took the crown that was upon his head and the bracelet that was on his arm and have brought them hither unto my Lord. After the victory of Joshua in the valley and Moses on the mountain, Moses builds an altar and he gives it a name that we ought to remember. It is Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Nisi. This translates, the Lord is my banner. The Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and named it, the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nisi, Exodus 17, 14 through 15. Remember the text. Now, for many of us, Holding up a banner is akin to holding up a flag or a piece of cloth or some type of material that has some type of language on it detailing or dictating some, something. It could be a pictograph, it could be uh, writing, it could be designs, but it has a purpose and a meaning. But in biblical times, a banner would refer to any number of items. And in this case, the banner was the staff of God that Moses carried. Now, most of us don't have a staff of God. Yet God has given us a banner to use in our own day to deal with the realities and the challenges that you will face in your life. Now, we understand that my reality may not be your reality. My challenge may not be your challenge, but you will have a reality that's all your own. You will have challenges in this life that you will have to face that are all your own. I saw a movie several years ago that caused me to think of Jehovah Nisi and our banner. 
And if any of you are movie buffs in here and have seen the Hunger Games, you can better understand what I'm talking about. You see, all of the people who rallied behind their champion in this movie would raise their hands in the air with two fingers erected if they were from Area 4. You see, to their champion, it was a sign of support. But to their enemy, it was a sign of defiance. It was a reminder to the champion that she was not alone and to the enemy that they would not stay in bondage anymore. Stuff in life can get so confusing that we don't know whether we're coming or we're going. We don't know whether we're in or we're out, whether we're up or we're down. Sometimes it just gets so crazy, you feel like you're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. We need a standard, something that's outside of ourselves that can become a reminder as we are not alone in this battle. We need something outside of us to help us interpret reality and make the decisions necessary to enjoy full success. We need an objective standard that isn't tied to our emotions. It isn't tied to our thoughts. It isn't tied to our, des- our desires. And that standard is Jesus, and he and he alone is our banner. In Numbers 21, we read an interesting story that foreshadows the banner of Christ. You see, the people had rebelled against God, so God sent poisonous snakes that bit them. And many of the Israelites died. It didn't matter where they went for help because they weren't facing a physical issue. They were facing a spiritual issue. Their disobedience led to a physical consequence, and they began to cry out to God for mercy. Let me just pause there for a second. Some of the things that you're dealing with in your life is a physical result of a spiritual battle that you are losing because you're living outside the command of God. You've been going here and there and everywhere to get some help, to get some relief, to get something uh, set up and strategized to get you out of your trouble. And God is waiting for you to just come to him. He's waiting for you to just say, I messed up. I didn't do it your way. I didn't follow the instructions that you gave me. I I thought I was smarter. I thought I I didn't really need you for this one. I thought I could handle this myself. And God is patient. He'll wait and he'll wait. And some of us are hard-headed and we're stubborn. And we'll take a a beating. We're almost like a a time, um, what's that watch that takes a licking and keeps on ticking? Timex, Timex. We're like a Timex watch. We'll take a licking and just keep on ticking. And God is simply there waiting for us to get it together. And the only way to get it together is to call on him because you cannot deal with a physical outcome of a spiritual deficit through physical means. In answer to their cries, God instructs Moses to put a bronze snake on a stick and to hold that stick up high. 
He told Moses to let the people of Israel know that whoever looked at the snake on the stick, the banner that is being lifted up, would live. But everyone who looked to their own solution or their own cure would die. And this is because God had lifted up just one banner and only those who looked to it would live. Your banner, your Jehovah Nisi today is Jesus. John 3, 14 through 15 says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. What are you looking at? You ought to look at your neighbor and ask your neighbor, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? You looking at me? You looking at me? I don't see nobody else in here. Sometimes I have these conversations with myself in the mirror. I may be certifiable. Because not only do I ask myself questions, but I answer myself. And they say when you answer yourself is when you are deemed crazy. But whoever looks to Jesus will live. You think about this. They're dealing with a physical crisis. They're bit by snakes. The snakes are poisonous. The poison is killing them. And the normal snake venom cure ain't working. The venom turned into Delta. It turned into Omicron. And whatever the next Greek or Italian or whatever language that is, letter that they got that comes out for the next version. Because they're trying to find a physical solution to a spiritual problem. Whoever looks to Jesus will live. You see, it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how much you try, how much money you uh, can earn, how hard you work. You see, all your good efforts will result in nothing if you do not look to Jesus our Jehovah Nisi for your eternal victory. You may even get a vaccine and have temporary relief, but still get sick and die because you've taken your eyes off Jesus. Even if you're doing everything you believe you're supposed to do on earth, unless you are pointed toward Jesus and you operate under his will, his word, his standard, you will not have the spiritual help that you need to deal with the battles you are going to face in the valley. If Jesus is just an addendum in your life and not the standard by which you determine your reality and make your decisions. You can do the best you can in the battles that you fight, but you will still lose. 
You see, the solution to many of your Amalek problems is right in front of you. You, you might have been working for years trying to solve something that God can solve in just a moment. Uh, yet he won't solve it until you look to him as your banner. Your hands may get heavy and the devil will make you weary, but never be too proud to let Aaron and her come alongside you and help you lift yourself and your arms back to God. And even though God may not always change your situation, he will change you in your situation so that you will have peace where there seems to be no peace. You will experience joy when you didn't think you could have another day of joy. You will know power where you thought there was nothing but uh, you were nothing but powerless. You will enjoy patience uh, even when you didn't think you could be patient and you thought you were the patient. Jesus is our staff. 11, uh, chapter of Isaiah 1 and 10 will tell you Jesus is our staff. Before you give up, look up. You ought to put that on Facebook. Before you give up, look up. You ought to fix your eyes on Jesus, your Jehovah Nisi, your victory has already been won. Just like a pro wrestler who fights from a predetermined victory, you, according to God's word in 2 Corinthians 2 and 14, will always triumph. When I'm in a fight and I, it doesn't look like I'm winning, it doesn't look like, I, you know, I'm going to come out of this. I'm taking it to the jaw. I'm taking it to the gut. I'm down on the ground. I've been knocked down. I'm battered. I'm bruised. It doesn't look like I'm going to get through this one too well. I have the assurity that if I look to God, it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. All that matters is my eyes are fixed on Jesus. And because they are I am assured victory. You know, there's a saying in the world that it doesn't matter if you win by 50 or you win by one. All you want is your name in the winner's column. Before you give up, look up. Jesus will lead you because he's already defeated the devil by his work on the cross. The enemy, the orchestrator, the strategist of the turmoil in your life has already been defeated by Jesus on the cross, Colossians 2 and 15. He has made us more than conquerors regardless of what life brings your way. It doesn't matter what you're going through, what you're dealing with, you are already victorious over it. You have a choice. You can either walk in the victory that is assured for you in Christ by keeping your eyes focused on Jesus, or you can accept defeat because you're looking to everyone and everything but Jesus. 
You can either look at your problem and declare Jesus. Jaleesa said it so eloquently, so beautifully. It doesn't matter. Bills, just look at Jesus. Sickness, just look at Jesus. Marriage problems, just look at Jesus. Children problems, just look at Jesus. Job problems, just look at Jesus. Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of my faith. He's the author. He is the one that created it and gave it to me, and then he finished it. I didn't even have to do the work. All I have to stand is stand upon a completed and finished work for me. You were getting ready to get in the ring, and Jesus said, now, nah, hold up, bro. As a matter of fact, Jesus looked at the enemy, and he said, bruh, if you don't take your hands off my child, I'm going to bust you up. And the enemy will let go. There are times when you're going to have to just trust the Lord. You're going to have to believe in the Lord. You're going to have to just trust in Jesus. And I know that it becomes difficult. It becomes difficult when you're trying to apply spiritual things which are in most cases beyond your physical capacity, capacity to fully understand or grasp, you're trying to apply those things to a physical crisis. I don't know how many people I've talked to and, and they're dealing with sickness in the body and I'll tell them, well, Jesus is a healer. And, then, and they'll say, I, I know, I, I believe that God is a healer and then they add, if he wants to heal me. You see, I got this pain in my body. I've got this disease in my body. I've got this defect in my body. And I know, I know if, if God wants to heal me, he can. If he wants to heal me, he can. So we're, we're, we're doubting the veracity of God's word because God's word declares that he is a healer. He cannot be a healer if he has no desire to heal. The Bible declares that as an earthly father, I have a desire to give good gifts unto my children, but how much greater is God to give good gifts unto his children. God desires to heal you. So the attitude, the, the, the mental state of being that I have to put myself in is, yeah, there is an affliction in the body but God. There's an affliction in the mind but God. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know what God is going to do. 
My wife and I, we talk about this sometimes. We go back and forth because she is a very ordered uh, person. She, she likes to understand what the strategy and the plan is. And she likes to, to, to know, you know, at this point this, and at this point this, and at this point this, and at this point this. This one's doing that, and that one's doing this, and, and so on and so forth. But sometimes you just have to throw caution to the wind and just say, but God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. But God, I don't know what God is going to do. I don't know who he's going to touch. I don't know who he's going to move. I don't know. All I know is God. That's all I know. All I know is Jesus. My burden bearer. Jesus. My heart fixer. Jesus. That's all I know. That's all I know. I don't know how my car works either. I have a general idea. I know if I put gas in it and I push the start button, it should start up. I went to go start my car the other day and for some reason I hit the button and it started doing all kinds of stuff. Every light on the dash that could go off went off. There were lights on there I'd never seen before. So it started making a clicking sound. Click, 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 click. Click. I said, I heard that before. I know what that is. The car don't have no juice. She doesn't have any juice. She's been sitting for a little while, and because of the cold temperature, the battery isn't at its prime, and it hasn't been getting its daily charge from daily use. She's just been languishing in the garage. It hasn't been driven. You see, a car is made to be driven. It's designed to resupply itself as it is being used. So I had to take a jumper box thing that I have, and, and I plugged it in the electric socket, and put the little um, clippers on the positive and the negative. I put the red to the red and the black to the black. And then I let it sit there for a minute. And sure enough, when I hit the button, it started. I disconnected it. And I went on, I drove and did what I had to do. And when I got to my first stop, I wasn't sure if when I turned it off, it was going to have an issue. So you know what I did? I positioned the car in a parking space that would allow for help to come should I need it. 
You see, I didn't just, I could have just pulled head on into the parking space and then blocked the means of help, which is what most of us do in life. We, 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 we pull ourselves into the wrong place at the wrong time in the wrong position, making it very difficult for help to get to us. But every once in a while, you've just got to lean on Jesus and understand that you've got to position yourself. God has positioned you to live a victorious life. But now watch this. So I was concerned. I turned the car off. I had it positioned like I, I knew it needed to be where it wouldn't be blocked. Went into the store, did what I had to do, and I came back out. And I hit the button, and the car said, started right back up. And I heard the Spirit of God say, when you allow yourself to be used like you are supposed to be used, you will always have the power you need to keep being used. It's when you park yourself It's when you think you're a bear and it's time for hibernation. It's when you take yourself out of position for a respite that you'll find yourself in dilemmas that only God can get you out of. And you know, I had one main goal that day, but you know what happened? You see, when I went into the garage, I had an expectation the car would do what it was designed to do, and it didn't. So that shook my confidence in the automobile. So I did what I had to do to prepare it so that it could at least get me where I needed to go, even if it didn't get me back. I needed to get where I needed to get because something needed to be done. And I figured I, I, if I just get there, I'll figure out a way to get back. I didn't have a lot of confidence that when I got back in that car, when I hit the button, it was going to start back up. But because it had been used like it was designed to be used, it was ready for my next mission. And when I hit that button, my confidence level rose up. And I said, well, 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 well let me go to this other store. And see, this store wasn't as far away from, you know, where I was at. It was a little bit closer, so I wasn't, I still wasn't 100% sure whether or not when I got, you know, to that store, if I had used up all the juice, all I know is I needed to get from point A to point B. So I said, well, it started. I know I've got confidence to get to my next step on the journey. And you know what I did when I got there? I found a spot. I positioned the vehicle so that if it didn't work this time, I could get some help. I went in, handled my business, and this time I was in that store a little longer than I was in the previous store. 
When I came back out to the car, I wasn't as worried this time. I got into the car, I hit the button, started right up. Now I started to get, I was like, yeah, my car's back. And I went to another store. Because I really had three things to do that day. Wasn't sure if I was going to get them, so I, I, I lined them up in the line of importance. And I went and did that third thing. Now, that third thing took me longer than both of the first things combined. But I looked for the spot. And I positioned the vehicle where it could get help. And when I came back out, it started right back up, and it took me home. I don't know what it will do today, but I know the car is designed to receive help in a certain way. And when you tap into the power of the help, you can accomplish everything you're set out to accomplish. But when you misalign yourself, it becomes very difficult for you to accomplish the things you need to accomplish. That's just the church mother, don't worry about her. People of God, let me just close with this. I know we got a storm coming. They say it's going to blanket Ohio from about the center on down south. And the farther south you go, the worse it's going to get. It's supposed to be like two to four inches that we're supposed to get round about these parts. Just a little secret. I hope it does snow. You know why I hope it snows? Because I'm prepared for the snow. And I don't want to prepare for nothing. As a matter of fact, when it snowed the other day, there was about maybe that much snow, and I was half tempted to jump into my preparations and move what wasn't really there. I, I'm, I'm prepared for, for this snow. Let, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. I'm prepared. I'm not worried about it. Because I've, I've made my preparations. I've set it up so that I can be successful in the middle of the storm. I'm not worried about what's coming. People of God, God has set you up. He has prepared you for success. Every battle you have faced in your life was preparation for your next fight so that you would understand the assurity of every believer is victory. Not halfway victory, but full and complete victory. That is your portion. Victory belongs to you. 
It belongs to you. You ought to walk around telling yourself, victory is mine. Matter of fact, the old saints, we need to go back to some of the old saints songs. Victory, victory, it is mine. Victory, victory, it is mine. If I hold my peace, let the Lord fight my battle. Victory, victory, it is mine. You see, the old saints, they, they would sing from what they knew. Victory belongs to you. It is your gift from God. He's prepared you. He's prepared you. You know what he's prepared you for? For victory. He's prepared you for victory. You see, I know I said I'm closing, but I'm a Pentecostal preacher, so I get a couple. Peter was prepared for victory when he got off the boat, when he, when he saw Jesus walking on the water and he said, uh, you know, can, hey, can I come out there to you? Peter got off the boat and he was what? Walking on water. You see, the walking on water prepared him for victory. As long as his eyes were on Jesus. So the moment he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. This is what the Bible declares. He began to sink. But see, he remembered. He remembered, I just asked Jesus... If I could come out to him walking on the water and Jesus allowed me to take steps that legitimately, physically, it is impossible for me to take. He allowed me to function in the supernatural. So that gave Peter confidence in Jesus. So when he began to sink, because he took his eyes off Jesus and began to look at everything else that was going on around him, he put his eyes back on Jesus and he cried out to Jesus to save him. And Jesus saved him. You see, the problem that too many of us have is we keep looking at everything else. It's Jesus that gets us out there. Some of us are in places where had it not been for God, we shouldn't be there. It was God and God alone that put us here. It wasn't my strategy. It wasn't my wealth. It wasn't my thinking. It wasn't anything that had to do with me. It was but the grace of God that put me where I'm at. And it's only the grace of God that will keep me where I'm at. But when where I'm at gets shaky, we start looking to everything else but God, and we sink, 
and we sink and we sink. You've got to get to the place where when you start sinking so that you don't get water into your nostrils and start swallowing that stuff and choking yourself out or stuff that you were not meant to breathe, you ought to get to the place where when my ankle gets wet, I know to call on the name of Jesus. I don't need my knees wet. I don't need my midsection wet. I don't need to feel the water under my brow. I don't need to be... Completely submerged when my ankle gets wet. I start calling on Jesus. You know why? Because He is a rewarder He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. He is your Jehovah Nisi, and he will never leave you with a halfway victory. Hallelujah. Let's rest to our feet. Hallelujah. Just before we close the service for today, I want to ask all those that are viewing and all those that are here, if this ministry has been a blessing to you, if the singing and the, and the word of God that has been preached here has been a blessing to you, then I'm going to ask for your support. Now, I know what you're thinking immediately. You think I'm talking about money, and I'm not talking about money. I'm asking you to do something that's free. It will take about two minutes of your time. But I'm asking that you do this because this will help the ministry and that's subscribe to our new YouTube channel. All you need to do is go to YouTube and search. If you don't have a YouTube account, create one. It's free. Just create one. All you need is an email address. They'll give you that free, too, if you don't have an email address. Search GMFC Studios. If you want to search today's sermon, you could search it by my name, Bishop Roy Lyseth. You could search it by the title, Never Settle for a Halfway Victory. But search it. When you see GMFC Studios, all I ask is that you become a subscriber. Subscribing is free. Just subscribe to it. Share that with your, your family and your friends to subscribe to the channel. Because the more people subscribe, the greater the ability for us to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ across this world. So I'm asking for your help. GMFC Studios, become a subscriber. Allow it to give you notifications because as soon as we get to 1,000 subscribers, we can go online instantly no matter where we are. Right now, there are limitations because of our viewership, but it's a brand new channel. And I'm asking for you to blow the channel up. There are so many things that are planned for this channel to spread the gospel, to share the love of Christ, a platform to reach people for Jesus. 
There'll be times when God is going to give me something where I won't be by a desktop computer and I'll need to be able to get on right away and share what God has given me. And I need a thousand uh, subscribers to be able to have instant uh, live viewing from a mobile device or uh, other uh, devices like that. So spread the word. Those of you that have tuned in, spread the word. Go subscribe to the channel. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. It'll take a couple minutes of your time. GMFC Studios. And then turn the notifications on so that you can be notified when something is happening so that you can hear about it, become part of it, share it. This is what I ask of you, to be a help to the ministry. Hallelujah. Let's look to the Lord. Father, Lord, we thank you for today, for your grace and truth, your love, your mercy. Whatever it is, Lord, that is in us, that is not like you, continue to work on us that we would become more like you as every moment passes in each and every day that your grace allows. Father, take us into this week with the understanding that we are already victorious before we've entered it. That everything that we face this week has already been set up for us to win. Whatever news is coming, it's already been dealt with. Whatever crisis we're going to face, you've already made a way. It doesn't matter what that way is, what that method is, Father, our confidence is in you, so we look to you. We, we, we stop looking to everything else, and we just look to you. God is in our thinking. Order us in our steps that we might be more like you. Let this not be something we do, but something that we are. I don't do church. I am church. Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you. I can't make it without you. I know the world says that there are all kinds of ways, but I know that there's only one way. I know the world says that there are all kinds of truths, but I know that there's only one truth, and that is you, Jesus. Help me, Father. Help us. Let us be the remnant that stands for you. We thank you for every door that you've opened, for every way that you've made, for every need that has been met, for every condition in the body that's been dealt with, from the mental to the psychological to the spiritual to the physical. We thank you right now in the name of Jesus that even... When we're tired, you still give us strength. We thank you for this congregation that you've allowed to come together to fellowship with one another.
We don't take it for granted. On the surface, the future is uncertain. But the undercurrent of it is an assurity that you've already figured it out. I know that we're in a place of transition, which means we're just moving from one place to another. I know it looks like there's no home, but I believe by faith that we're headed to our home. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it's going to look like because it is not the time yet for me to know. And I have confidence and faith in you. And I will be patient on you, Lord, for that which you have called us to do and whom you have called us to be. For this group of gifts and anointings was not called together in vain or by accident, but there is purpose to our fellowship. Use us, Father, for your glory. Let us share your love and your truth. Keep us safe in this week that we are about to face. We thank you right now for great victory that has already been won through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. I thank each and every one of you. Um, Church is dismissed, but I just want to encourage you that if um, 